So my name is Sean. Uh, Liz and I, we moved to Reading in 2000 to plant the church and uh, we've been leading the church ever since. But before we get to the vision of the church, uh, to remind us what God has got for us as a church family, I want to take an unusual moment for us and I want to honour my associate pastor. Uh, Scott has now been working for the church for 20 years. And so Scott and B, hopefully she's now in the room. B Taylor, if you can both come up here, that'd be very helpful. Scott and B, give her a warm welcome. We'll take a microphone. So sometimes in the busyness of church life, we can miss key milestones of people who are just serving away all the time. And uh, 20 or so years ago, Scott and B had just gotten married. And we had our first eldership argument, uh, myself and the other elder, and I was saying, listen, I've been working on my own for a year, I'm going to blow up, Scott's keen as, and we had that whole dialogue around, this guy's just gotten married, I'm saying, dude, he's not going to die, he needs to serve the people of God, we're not sending him off to war, and so anyway, thankfully I prevailed, and Scott came on the staff team 20 years ago, through that time, as a church we've had ups and downs, haven't we, Scott? Uh, Scott would have had multiple opportunities, I would guess, to go and serve other churches, but always felt called to Reading. We've always believed that we could serve together as a team. And it's just been a great joy to many of us in this room and over the last two decades to have Scott and B. It's one of those buy one, get one free relationships, you know. <laughs> B was a school teacher, now she's home as a mum. She's thrown a lot in now with kids, but we just want to honour you. As a church family, you've given us 20 years on, believing for some more, uh, in Jesus' name. But obviously the king decides on that. We bought you some flowers just as a small token of our love and appreciation as a church family. They're going to just wandering around the corner. Look at this, some lovely flowers. And we leave this to be. On a customer as you are to holding microphones, uh, is there anything you'd like to respond as, well, obviously we've been knew this was happening, not you Scott, anything you'd like to say? It's just a joy and a privilege. It's been a joy and a privilege through all the ups and downs. I'm a bit emotional now. Through all the ups and downs, uh, we've seen a lot over 20 years, the rooms change significantly. We've still got some people in the room that were here when we started 15, you know, all those years ago, 21 years ago. Tino, I remember lugging boxes with you out from underneath the hole. It literally was called the hole where we used to keep the boxes because it was one. Um, yeah, it's just been a privilege. I'm a customer as I am to not be speechless. I'm quite speechless right now. Um, but yeah, but it's been a joint privilege to work beside you as well, Sean, for 20 years. And I think we've, uh, we've worked out what it is to work as a team. And uh, we've, had, we've added people into that as time's gone on. That's, that's, that's great. Be your husband is speechless. You need to save the day. Come on. It's very unusual. Um, even though I've, like, I've left like kids' churches crazy at the moment, but um, yeah, I've just um, I've loved um, being part of this church. Um, just yesterday we were at a wedding, and um, I just love the fact that everyone, RFC just literally mucks in. So we were at this wedding, and literally like, can we just tidy up? And just everyone, and everyone helping. They're hoovering. They're just putting, stacking plates. They're saying, what can we do? And I just think that's such a motto of um, RFC, that everyone just sees a job and gets it done. And um, actually, doesn't need to be asked to do it. They just come and do it. And I think that's what's so been such a privilege to be part of leading so many of you. Um, 
been involved is that everyone's so lovely and willing and servant-hearted, which is a real gift. So, um, yeah, it's been um, a wonderful 20 years. I think the mantra I've always gone with is whatever the church needs. Whatever the church needs. Because that's what Jesus has called me to. That's what Jesus called us to. Whatever the church needs. So, believe it or not, I did three years as the administrator of the church. It was horrific. It was like, it was proper horrific. For any of you who know me well, you'll know that was a tough time for Sean, who is a natural administrator. <laughs> I have made some dumb decisions. That, that was one of them. Whatever the church needed at the time. <laughs> Thank you. So, can you just give me a round as an expression of our love and appreciation? Thank you. Before we start, let's, online, I just, I really miss you not being in the room. I know there's lots of reasons that you're not here, but we say we miss you. I, I miss you. I haven't met some of you, I guess, but I just feel God is doing something, and that we're just so glad you can join us online, and I, I pray that one day uh, you'll be able to be here in person, and we get to meet you. There's such warmth in the room. The room is changing wonderfully in the room, and we just would like to meet you, so God willing, we will. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not spectating, we're a family gathering trying to see what the King is saying to us, what our Father is saying. Holy Spirit, come now upon every heart, everyone who's watching this on Catch Up, those who are live online and those in the room. We pray for our young people, for our children, the children's workers. We're one family, a part of what you're doing in this great town of Reading. We want to play our part well, we want to follow close after you. Holy Spirit, help us now. Let us receive something spiritual now. Uh, that it's beyond understanding, but would you continue to knit us together, build us together like living stones uh, for the glory of, of yourself. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'm now down to about 35 minutes or so, but God can do something. We are on a second week of a mini-series uh, looking at the church in the book of Acts. And last week, if you were here, Matt Partridge spoke from Acts 6, and he said, talk about seasons of church growth. I'm looking for a few people who are nodding, anyone's worth tracking with me. Just some great wisdom last week, that growth in church life comes with challenges, and these challenges require a mature response. We are not going to get our preferences when the church grows. And as the church grows, Matt said that more, as more people come in, that broadens our cultural diversity, which comes with challenges and great joy. And also that that produces, uh, in a sense, great outreach. As diversity grows, automatically we start reaching out. And so we need to remember these things that as the church grows, momentum is produced and we reach out. Hence, yesterday, there's this overflow of what God is doing amongst us. But today, we're going to look at the church of Antioch. And to get there, I'm going to remind you, in Acts 7, the Jerusalem church, they had mighty deacons. One of them, on their outreach event, Stephen stands up, preaches a mighty sermon. It's so uncomfortable, he literally gets stoned to death. No one yesterday from our church got stoned to death. But in Jerusalem, that happened to Stephen. And then there was a great persecution came against the church, such that many in the Jerusalem church are then scattered amongst the known world. So they're now scattered from persecution. So please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. 
verses 19 to 21. It's going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Acts 11, 19 to 21. We're joining the story after Stephen is murdered through stoning. Acts 11, verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who have been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. So this church, they were suffering persecution in Jerusalem. And as a result of the persecution, they're scattered. Some of these scattered people, these cultural Jews, found themselves in Antioch. And they started to reach out to the Jews. So these cultural, believing Jews are now reaching out to cultural, unbelieving Jews. And, and there's a great move of God then. And then some others come from Cyprus and they do something very different. These Jews start preaching to Gentiles. And again, there's a great move of God. Now, this move of God was surprising, so much so that news that Gentiles were being saved in Antioch, the Jerusalem church hears about this, and they send Barnabas up to Antioch to check it out, because this was unusual. Barnabas gets there, he realizes this is a genuine move of God, and there's too much work for him to teach them all. So what he then does, he goes to find a man called Saul, who's now in Tarsus. He then becomes later the Apostle Paul. He finds Saul, takes Saul back to Antioch, and together for about a year, they preach and teach all these new believers of both Jews and also these Gentile believers. They do that for about a year. Then after that year, I guess things are going well, the church in Jerusalem sends up some prophets to Antioch. And one of these prophets is called Agabus. And he stands up and he foretells this great famine that was coming. And this young church believed the prophetic word about a famine that was coming. And they take up an offering and then they send it to the church in Jerusalem with Barnabas and Saul. So they respond to the prophetic. This church of Jews and Gentiles send their money and then they go. Have you got that? Then what happens next? If you turn to Acts chapter 12, verse 25, flick over your page. So Acts 12, 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manion, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, 
the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So initially, this church in Antioch was founded by men and women, presumably, sharing their faith with people who were just like them. Then after a while, other people came and shared their faith with people who weren't like them. And this church, which was diverse, is established. So they come back from Jerusalem, Barnabas and Saul, and they bring someone with them, a guy called John Mark, or Mark, we'll get back to that later on. They come back, and the the writer, Luke, says about this church that's been established that it was diverse. There was Jews and Gentiles amongst them. There was diverse gifting. There was apostles. There was teachers. There were emerging uh, apostles uh, who were actually going to write scripture. So there's diverse gifting, but more than that, the leadership of this church was diverse. We've got Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas was a Levite from Cyprus. So we've got Barnabas. We've got Simeon, who's described as a a black man. That's not irony. He probably was a black man. We've got Lucius from Cyrene. That is North Africa. So we've we've got Barnabas, who's a Levite from Cyprus. Uh, We've got this guy, Simeon, who's a black man, also known as the black man. We've got Lucius from North Africa. We've got Manion, who's a childhood friend of Herod Antipas. So he's familiar with privilege and influence and finance, presumably. And then we've got Saul, who's a Hebrew of Hebrew. And and they find themselves as a church. I don't think it was just five of them in a room. I think the church is gathered together the, the teachers, the prophets, these apostles that are emerging, they're all together with the people of God and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they commission Barnabas and Saul for the work that they have. And the church sends them out. And there's three things I want to remind us about what God is doing amongst us that's helpful from these passages. First of all, that their local mission as a church crossed cultures. Their local mission crossed cultures. Secondly, their leadership was diverse. And their concern was also for those who were beyond Antioch. You can see that. Let me just point these things out to you. So first one, let's look at those now. Their local mission crossed cultures. Those First scattered believers turned up and they were reaching people just like themselves. 20 years ago, or 22 years ago, when Liz and I, we moved to Reading, we were the church plant that met in our house. We were young, we were white, and largely middle class. And in those early years, we just were reaching people who were young, were white, and middle class. If you have a quick scout around in the room now, and over 20 years... God has done something amongst us. We're no longer as young as we were. (laughs) Thankfully, we're not as white as we were. Have a look around now. So healthy and reflective of our town Reading now. But we are largely middle class. 
We're still largely now reaching white and black people who are like us in that we're middle class in terms of how we want to spend our money, our level of education, our housing, our postcode, how much we've got in the bank. We're still largely playing in that space. But then men from Cyprus came and they started reaching people who were not like them. And that creates a whole world of challenge that is glorious and brilliant and what the gospel is all about. I grew up in a council estate in Portsmouth. My mum was a single parent for numbers of years. We were dirt poor, proper dirt poor. We had the least of anyone in our housing area. Everyone helped us and we were on a council estate in Portsmouth. The only people we could rely on was my nan and granddad. They were a bus wide away, and we didn't have the bus fare, and they also had their own problems. As I look back, my days as a young boy, after decades of reflection, I wish we had a local church like RFC on our estate. I just do. Because I, I can see the help that's going on, and their family that's going on, and the hope that's going on. Yesterday at this wedding, Ben and Sophie's wedding, I mean, it was a brilliant wedding. The afternoon reception was fabulous. And that was uh, mentioned earlier about the, the love and the care that was all going on. And as I looked around the room, lots of Ben and Sophie's friends live in and around Whitley. And I thought, you know what? Our church has still got a way to go on how we're going to welcome these people in and feel that they're part of our church family. We've still got a way to go. But Jesus is doing something unique amongst us. Jump Sunday isn't about making room for the kids to come back in right from the beginning of the worship. It's not just so that more people like us, white and black, middle class people, can come and meet in a great school hall like this. We're believing Jump Sunday is as much about cross-cultural mission. That those who aren't yet in the room can come and feel part of us. And the truth is that's going to be uncomfortable for many of us. Because we're not going to ask them to become like white or black, middle class Christians. We're going to say, could you be white or black? working class or however they want to identify followers of Jesus and that's actually quite hard to do to not try and disciple people into mini Sean's or mini Liz's or mini Scott's you just need to follow Jesus as we follow Jesus but that is what we are going to be all about in this coming session we're going to do local mission that crosses cultures you up for that because if you're not we're not the church for you we are all in and it's going to be proper hard and even I'm not going to get my preferences because we're about the king's business we're about the king's business second thing so the first they were a local church with local mission that crossed cultures secondly their leadership was diverse and I'm guessing their leadership reflected their city if you know anything about uh history of that time, the Roman world. Antioch was the third largest city. You had Rome, Alexandria, Egypt, and Antioch. So if you're all the trade routes around the western Mediter- uh, eastern Mediterranean, flowing up and down, Roman cities were diverse. And we're seeing that at Antioch, aren't we? Once the guys from Cyprus finally turns up and does some cross-cultural mission, the church changes. And after a year or so, a couple of years, the church has changed. And so we're expecting local churches to have diverse, not only gifting, me and Scott are very different, I'll administrate, Scott can pastor people, amongst other things, different giftings, 
but it's also about different cultural and ethnic backgrounds. And our leadership as a church needs to reflect the town in which we meet. We are not a white, middle-class town. We thank God for the white middle classes and the black middle classes, but that isn't reflecting our town. So our leadership must reflect our town. We believe that's what the Bible teaches. So in our church, we have elders and we have deacons. The reason I'm saying this is we want to propose some new elders and deacons for our church this morning. What do elders do in Reading Family Church? We talk about the four Ds of eldership. The first one, the elders, they establish and set the doctrine of the church. In, uh, the, what the church believes needs to line up with church history and also help the church think clearly, given the current context in which we're living, what are the key issues the church needs to be clear on. So elders set the doctrine of the church and also they set the direction of the church. Now, what is Reading Family Church's unique contribution to the town of Reading? And we're believing to the nation and the nations. What is our unique contribution? That is set by the direction that we sense the Good Shepherd is leading us. We also bring church discipline. When men and women think they're following Jesus Christ and yet their lifestyle and their choices don't reflect that, there are times that we need to bring church discipline to people in order to get their attention that they're not living in accordance to Christ's teaching. And we get their attention through what we would call church discipline. And that's a a weighty responsibility to carry. But ultimately, the elders are responsible for that. And the fourth D of eldership is that we display. We, We put ourselves up, or we believe we're raised up by the Holy Spirit as gifts to local churches to say... Follow these men as they follow Christ. Look at their families. Look at the pressures they're under. Look at the the choices and decisions they're having to make. And they are saying, follow us as we follow Christ. They display a life in this culture, in this context, at this time. What does the church need modeled to them? That's what elders do. Now, elders are complemented and supported by deacons. Deacons bring servant leadership on behalf of the elders. And so I did a five-year apprenticeship in electronics. I then did a four-year degree in electronics. I then worked for an IT company for numbers of years before being a pastor here. But I still don't want anything to do with the live stream on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Honestly, for the last two weeks, I've had technical difficulties. Thankfully, Eben and the team are wrestling with that. So they are releasing us so we can serve those people who are unable to be in the room through deaconing, through leading in that area so that the elders can do what they do, the four Ds, and they're supported by servant leaders who implement and look after the church on behalf of the elders. Is that clear? So having said all of that, we want to propose some more elders and deacons. If you can flick that next slide up. For our lovely uh, gallery, what God has done amongst us. And I know some of you are doing this already. Why is the order such that it is? It's the alphabet, alphabet on their alphabet, alphabetical on their surname. Because some of you that is the most favorite person top left. She has a lovely smile, but she's only there. Top is only there because of her surname. So we want to propose Tope as a deacon. For God's Big Story, the Bible course that is currently running midweek, but we're flipping to one Saturday month next year. 
We want to approach MM as our live stream. We're so, I am so happy you're here, MM, as are about 40 to 50 screens who are watching us right now. MM for our Sunday live stream, all the technical stuff around that. We want to propose Giles to lead our adults, uh, our children with special needs who meet together. Although Scott is a trained teacher, there's a huge amount of skill required. And to know that Giles is now leading the team on from Emma, we think is really helpful. For those who know Giles, he's excellent at that. We want to propose Janine Blake for outreach. Janine is outstanding in her confidence and in her leadership of working alongside David in terms of what we're doing, just outreach, going out onto the streets, finding men and women who at the moment are far from Christ. We want to propose Clayton as an elder for this church. We want to propose Becky uh, as uh, deacon leading our Beyond Prayer group. We've got numbers of families now and single people depending upon us as a church to pray for them as they represent us overseas. By the end of this year, we'll have more RFCs overseas on mission on our behalf than we do have on a staff team. Come on! That is outstanding. We've got more RFCs that we're supporting financially overseas than we do have in Reading on our staff team. That is outstanding, what God is doing amongst us. So those people need to know we are praying for them. I lost my page, I got so excited. I'm so glad by our Beyonders, so proud of them. We also want to propose blessing as an elder for our church, doing the four Ds, joining the team alongside Clayton, and then Tom Riches for our Sunday Ops. So what's going to happen now, if you can flick the next slide up, please. So what we're going to do, for the next two months, we're asking everyone who calls RFC their home, actually, can you get, all get your phones out? Take a photograph of this slide. Don't often ask you to get your phones out. There's some biblical uh, qualifications there. So if you can photograph this slide, so that you remember, over the next two months, we're asking you to humbly watch these people's lives, And if there's anything about their character or their lifestyle choices that either doesn't meet the biblical qualifications or there's other things we think, you know what, I I just think you need to know about this. You know, this is, they're like this at work or they're they're like this in parties. And don't tell tales because you're going to be talking to me or one of the other elders. And we've been in, it's horrible for two months to think everyone's watching you. So basically, but we're taking this very, very seriously. That, you know, we're a church family. We believe these are gifts. We're recognizing what they're doing. We're saying, will you watch them? And will you do, if you agree with us, please let them know. Say, brilliant, I'm so glad for you. Don't expect everyone else to do that. They feel very vulnerable now. Secondly, if you agree with us, let us know. If there are things that we need to be aware of, we need to let, you need to let us know. This is the reputation of the church now. And we want her to have a good reputation as much as it depends on us. And I don't want to propose that if there's something going on in their lives that we are unaware of as elders. No one wins in that scenario. But it may be you've, you know, you've got the ump or you think but there's something going on in you and we can talk about that. But we just want to take this very seriously. Is that all good? Yeah. Great. Sunday the 20th of November is the, provision, is the date we're going for to lay hands and to set them apart as the elders and deacons, so that they would join the existing team of elders and the existing team of deacons in. Is that all good? 
And why are we doing that? We're doing that because when we look at the Bible, when we look of what the church looks like, is their leadership was diverse both in gifting but also in culture and ethnicity. And it reflects the town in which we meet. And so this is what God is doing amongst us at the moment. Before we move on, there's one last thing. Did anyone pick up that when Barnabas and Saul came up from Jerusalem, they took John Mark with them? That still happens today. For about uh, 15 years or so, Liz and I have been cheering on a church in St. Petersburg. Uh, We've been in and out. We haven't been back since the pandemic. Um, But actually, uh, the pastor's son, uh, David, has now come and joined our church. We know David. He's come and joined us. He's from St. Petersburg. He has now come part of us. If you could flick David's photo up. So this is David. Uh, He's now been in the country for two weeks. He's kind of learning his feet. He's currently uh, lodging with Liz and I. Uh, And uh, so we just want to introduce David. He's out with the youth this morning. When you see him, say hi to him. Uh, because uh, we're a little bit bigger than the church he's used to. And we want to let him know that we're a friendly church. Uh, He loves our young people. So this is David. He's our John Mark for this year, serving us and our church family and our young people and students in particular. That's great news, isn't it? It's it's, it's like we're following the Bible. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? It's great. The first thing I want to say uh, from this, uh, so local local Mission Antioch Cross Cultures, Their leadership was diverse, and their concern was also for those who are beyond them. So whether that was the Jerusalem church, it took an offering for them, or whether it was commissioning Barnabas and Saul to do, in the end, three missionary journeys that we all now have benefited from, but actually they had a real genuine concern for those who are beyond Antioch. And we have that same concern. We have uh, families in the Middle East, the Bets and the Boxers, learning Arabic so that in time uh, they can serve the people there. We've got Laura Lee Lovering. She's learned Spanish and now lives in Peru. Uh, she's a single woman doing an outstanding job there. And we've got Carrie Ann Dooley. She's out with the Mercy Ships. I think she's in Senegal. She's just been an amazing safari if you've seen that. It's not all bad doing overseas work for Jesus. Mark and Hannah are literally on a plane now. Remember, they did a year in France learning French. They're now going to do another year in in a town learning Arabic. They're going to move again to another town to more of a specialist version of Arabic. So we've got the Mark and Hannah little, but we've got sending out another family at the end of November, God willing, to the Middle East. 